Rockstars Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Evan Kunai, and I'm here with Christopher Ritter. Howdy. What's up, dude? How are you? Good, man. I'm uh, chilling. I uh, I realized I didn't have a little like uh, anecdote or anything ready. Uh, no I got quips. nothing. How are you? No quips, dude? No. <laughs> Zero quips. Actually, no. I... I, I uh, my co- I introduced my cousin to the podcast. I don't know if he's listening, but if Yosarian, if you're listening, uh, you're listening to the podcast. And we're the mock stars. Yeah, welcome. Uh, that's all I got. How are you, Evan? I'm doing well, man. I have just been reeling over these uh, Cora Labs can caps that we got in the mail, and I've been taking them like everywhere with me. So. Um, I, and it just wouldn't be the podcast. Well, I mean, you're taking Dr. Pepper with you everywhere, and you got to keep it crispy. Did you know I was holding a Dr. Pepper in front of the camera? Right? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm watching right oh, now. Yeah. Oh, duh. Yeah, it's... Uh, uh, I'm watching the uh, the live stream. That is uh, the next tier. It's the secret tier on the Patreon. Yes. Uh, you, If you want access to that secret tier on the Patreon, you reach out to me privately if you're listening to this, and we can figure something out. But uh, yeah, this uh, the Pepperhead can cap has been literally my favorite thing in the world. So it has definitely boosted my mood whenever I go to grab a Dr Pepper out of the fridge. Oh hell yeah! Yeah, because if you didn't know, there's a there's there's a few different designs as well, right? Yeah, so I have one of the Mock Stars ones here. I have three other designs, sort of like floating around the apartment. I'll I'll grab I'll put a photo on the Instagram. So if you're listening to this and you are not following us on Instagram. Go follow us on Instagram, and you can see the other designs, and I'll have a vote up on Instagram for everyone to decide which one's their favorite, and which one, whichever one gets the most votes will go on the Cora Labs uh, store, which we have an affiliate link down in the description below on YouTube, where you can also find us, subscribe, like, hit that bell for notifications, and uh, every single sale goes to benefiting the show and helps supporting us, so that'd be uh, wonderful you went out and did that and you can get some sweet mock stars merch including the pepperhead can cap uh there as well so um another ways to find the show you can find us on all major broadcasting platforms and you can find us you can find us personally on our discord community server where we're hosting a conversation about everything magic related and dr pepper related where we talked about We've been having conversation about these new cards coming out with Murder at Karlov Manor and uh, with everything from Ravnica. I've been looking at a lot of prices on there, so I think I'm going to stir the pot on that a little bit and how people are feeling about all these anime artworks. Mm, but Okay. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's a growing community, and uh, you're more than welcome to join. The description is down, or, or the link is in the description down below the video as well. But... Other than that, I'm doing I'm doing fantastic, Ritter. Quick plug for the show. Felt good. Um, today, you and I, we're going to get into it. All right? We're probably going to have an argument on air. Oh, I am definitely planning to argue with you about something. I've been just laying in wait. Just, <laughs> he's ready for the fight. He woke up. Yeah, no, I mean, that's my, that's my temperament. I'm from Philly. Uh, the Eagles <laughs> got knocked out of the playoffs. <laughs> And it's almost I like just, you knew where I, gotta, I was going to go with it. I got to take it. I got to take out this turmoil on somebody. I mean, losing five of the last six in the regular season and coming into the playoffs, everyone was like, oh, well, the Eagles were all like, hey, we're going to be ready for this. 
We're going to be ready to show up. We're going to, this is the playoffs. We take this seriously. And then they just look bad, man. And I'm sorry, but they, they, just, they uh, really did not end the season strong. No, no. I feel bad for every Eagles fan out there. Like as just a general fan of football. And uh, it's, it was hard to watch, to watch, like have Jalen Hurts on my fantasy team and then watch him do so well, score me so many fantasy points, get me to the championship. And then the team actually just collapse. You, you know, you end up rooting for guys that are on your fantasy team in one way or the other. And like, I, I was a secret Eagles fan for a second, you know, when they were 10 and one. Yeah. They looked real good. First half of the season. Yeah, DeAndre. You Smith know, and I wish like, I could say it was like, uh, I don't know, like just the way that the schedule was, but like they lost in the back half of the season to a lot of not great teams. That was, yeah, that was a lot of. It just felt like they were missing something somewhere. The defense just could not get their shit together enough to mm-hmm. like stop lowly offenses and you can even say that the like Tampa Bay Buccaneers was a like they weren't explosive throughout the mm-hmm. course of the season this was Baker Mayfield's best game of his career arguably and like you just wonder what was happening the defensive line was so strong and so formidable all year and then just all of a sudden no pass rush he had are old... we a uh, football podcast now? no no it is something that I'm also passionate about though uh, anyway oh, okay yeah <laughs> Uh, this is a I mean, Magic Gathering be. podcast. We could be. It is almost near the end of the season, so it's a little late to start. Okay. Just, I mean, whereas like Magic is year-round, Dr. Pepper mm-hmm. is available in your local grocery store and other fine retailers. Yes. It's yeah. Okay. Why right. we chose the field we're in. But uh, there's actually a lot going on right now. If you're out in the Magic community and you're going to your LGS, playing commander, multiple times a week, you'll probably have noticed that this last Friday, or this, just this last week, Ravnica Remastered hit the shelves. It's now available for purchase. And uh, the thing is, I was looking at prices online, and I'm sort of like shocked. And <laughs> no pun Stock intended. Landed. Not No puns. I was, that was not intended. But <laughs> it was, I was shocked because it's like the... Uh, Anime art, Cyclonic Rift in foil. They want $100 for that. And I'm like, what? And then the base, like, this is Card Kingdom. So, like, buyer beware. Card Kingdom definitely has a a little bit of an... They inflate prices. I don't even want to say, like, uh, minimally. They they do it sometimes dramatically. But, um, yeah, seeing a Cyclonic Rift for 30 flat at release still surprised me. But all the shock lands they were asking twelve dollars for still, and so I mean that's where that's where it should be, ten or twelve bucks. Yeah, I would I would imagine that by the time the product is opened, I you know, and the thing is, I don't know if this registers as like a premium product, and if it does, then each pack is like seven dollars, and you're like, well, I'm not going to open that product because it's just a little, you know, it's above where I'm comfortable buying packs just to rip open. Mm-hmm. where like a standard set like Lost Caverns of Ixalan, I have the chance to pull something of value for three and a half dollars, maybe four dollars, and then a set booster for six dollars. So it, it, there's a little bit of like that discrepancy in like, I think, perception, which is why I think the play booster will be 
better for sales, not not con- talking about the game at all, but like better for sales where that medium like five to six dollar range, if that's what they're going for, is just going to lead to just, yeah, more people buying packs and ripping packs, feeling more comfortable ripping packs. And I mean, that's kind of what Wizards wants, right? You know, the maximum number of packs being opened. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Ultimately, that is better for business. That is better for the game if more... And also the premium products, you know, got, I, I think, in the community to, to be a little bit of a feel-bad. Uh, there there was a perception that, you know, we're just being bilked at some point. Oh, yeah. I mean, what? The Double Masters VIP booster pack wasn't enough to make you feel like you were just a cow out in the like field and get hooked up to the, the old milking machine and... You know, it always feels bad to open a pack and like not get good value <laughs> out of it, and like, you know, to to get you know to get a bulk rare or mythic or whatever. You know, it feels really bad spending a hundred dollars on one pack of cards and getting two dollars worth of dog shit in return. <laughs> yeah, you get a dread boar. You know, it's like, yeah, I, it just doesn't feel good. Even in the last double masters, uh, I mean, I bought into that set pretty heavily. Like, so like talking about premium products talking about premium sets if ravnica remastered is that you know it's like yeah there are plenty of reprints and the mana like or the mana base construction can happen for relatively cheap now you can get all your shock lands at a decent rate but like when i bought into double masters i was buying smothering tithe with the the hand you know like the gold coins in the hand that was Mm -hmm. such a sick art and i probably paid 50 bucks for a foil and i look like an idiot right now and it is sort of like... What's that bad boy going for ooh, in this moment? Sub-30. It's like... Yeah, it, yeah. It just didn't feel like... Well, it's like you invest... I invested in it because it's like, wow, this is the first Smothering Tithe reprint we've gotten since the Judge Foil, and it's been a while since we've seen the one previous. So having a, you know, a foil Smothering Tithe feel, would feel really good in my collection. Like, this is going to be a really great... Like, it's going to be feel really good when I play this. And then, so I paid up, upwards, you know, 50, maybe even more for it. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, we're getting a smothering tithe reprint in Commander Master. You know, it's all this stuff started happening and you're... Or- yeah, I, I mean, they, they have sort of burnt all their print equity over the past few years, um, you know, yeah. or, or reprint, reprint equity. And, and there's an expectation now that outside the reserved list... You know, nothing is going to hold value because everything's in danger of being reprinted, whether it's in um, one of the mainline sets, whether it's in like the collector's boosters of a mainline set, whether it's in a special product, whether it's in a secret lair, like, you know, any literally anything that's not on the reserve list uh, by its nature is available to be reprinted. And Wizards doesn't necessarily care about maintaining value for the secondary market or collectors. No, and honestly... Like, they're not in the business of doing that. Honestly, no, they shouldn't be, right? Like, but it would be altogether great and, and well and good if they paid no attention to that. But, you know, we see that they obviously are with, like, Secret Lair and whatnot. The um, big thing for me is just, like, I, the double face cards are something that we're not going to be seeing reprints of in like pre-constructed items or like bundled items um, mm-hmm. because they want those boxes like pre-cons and stuff to be like 
hey, you open this up, you're going to play with it. So uh, premium sets, I feel like, should include more of those double face cards that need to see reprints because their prices are climbing. And we haven't really seen that at all. Ravnica hasn't had double face cards pretty much ever. So basically, we're looking down the, the tube in 2024. We're going to get a lot more double face cards in standard product, but we're not seeing any like sets that are being like remastered that ultimately include double face cards. So if I was investing in anything, and this isn't investment advice, isn't financial advice, like I would be looking at double face cards and seeing which ones are good, which ones are low, like uh, the flip lands, like the sh- the bolt lands from Zendikar Rising, where they're mm-hmm. like, you know, you can play it if you untapped if it's for three life. Like if those are cheap right now or if like you can get one for cheap, that's what I would be looking at. Yeah, I, I mean, I am willing to stick my neck out and offer actual financial advice, which is don't invest in any magic product printed in, in like the last 10 years, honestly. Like none of them are good investments right now. It's fair. It's fair. Very fair. But I, I think I, I think uh, if you're savvy, maybe there's some like edge uh there's some margins there like you know maybe with this dual face card stuff maybe with other stuff but like man the u.s economy in general is not headed into a good place the game in general um is sort of you know in that uh maybe receding from the junk era like I, I think i think we're past the inflection point where wizards is like hey we got to rein this in a little bit um like I think that the game is not something to look at as a investor, um, at, at least for the next couple of years, probably. Yeah, that, that's. I love that point of view because, and I love that that advice um, because you're seeing a lot of players flock to arena as a mm-hmm. way to like get your fix for the game. Wow. Yeah, and and yeah, it, if it's free to play, um, if a lot of this cardboard is going to be basically worthless because you know it's all going to the bulk bin, play arena. You know, that's a big thing. Of that's the quandary they housing have. Housing bulk. Yeah, it's like they want to support this format of draft, and so it requires them to build sets. Like, mm-hmm. and then you have all of these cards, and that is ultimately why I. I'm starting to feel that like, you know what? I'll just get my draft fix in on arena because then I don't have to carry around like a couple hundred extra cards and then just builds up, builds up, builds up. And it feels so bad to throw them in the garbage uh, because there is like in my head, some inherent. No, I I mean, you can donate them to, to local school programs. I I leave them in boxes in uh, the lobby of my apartment building, they usually get taken. Like, there's places to to get rid of your bulk, but at the same time, it sucks having bulk. Yeah, even thrift stores, I'm sure that would appreciate it. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I am on the same page as far as like physical product. It's like proxies have been awesome for me to be able to play the game at a reduced rate. So I'm not. I just print it off like. For all you watchers on YouTube, I'm showing three decks printed off on printer paper right here that have has saved me thousands of dollars. So we're uh, I'm very excited about that. Yeah, every deck costs a flat ten or fifteen bucks, depending on how fancy you get with the stock. Yeah, fifteen bucks if you're buying sleeves too. 
Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know what else I'm excited about, Ritter? What's up, man? I'm excited about these spoilers from friggin' Murders at Karloff Manor. We just got the oh, information. Yeah. yeah, we just got the information. The new uh, new cards coming out next month. This is also al- alongside the play boosters, but we're getting new cards next month, and we're starting to see the spoilers drop. Just happened yesterday, so we have picked out a few cards that uh, we feel are very exciting in their own way and can contribute to well either existing mechanics or our new mechanics in and of themselves. So uh, let's get it kicked off. I think this one is probably the one that we're going to have the longest conversation on, and that is Etrada, Deadly Fugitive. For one, a blue... Ooh, okay. Yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry. I interrupted you reading what the card does. Oh, you're good. Right. One, a blue, and a black. Etrada, the Deadly Fugitive, is a legendary creature, vampire, assassin with death touch... Is a 1-4, and face-down creatures you control have, you may pay two blue and a black, turn this creature face up. If you can't exile it, then you may cast the exiled card without paying its mana cost. Whenever an assassin you control deals combat damage to an opponent, cloak the top card of that player's library. Now, that may be confusing for all of you players Yeah, out there. what is cloak? Cloak... That's the new mechanic. It is a new mechanic. You are right. So... Cloak is a new mechanic that is side-by-side with Disguise. It constitutes basically flipping a creature over, flipping a card over, and then you put this neat little token that they are putting in the set called a Mysterious Creature over top. And what it is, is a 2-2 with Ward 2. So it is functionally different from Morph and from Manifest, in the way that this has now has Ward Two, I think it, this is is a confession of guilt from Wizards mm-hmm. of the Coast to say we understand that the game is a lot stronger than it used to be, or it's a lot faster, and so we need to give these things Ward Two if they're ever going to survive on the battlefield, or if for them to ever have any sort of value. So, uh, disguise you'll see on other cards in the set say you may pay three colorless mana to put this creature face down on the battlefield and then um, you can pay the disguise cost to flip it face up and that is very similar to morph where it's like you can do it at any time as long as the Mm -hmm. um, as long as you have priority basically you may cast this card face down for three colorless mana as a two two with ward two turn it face up at any time for its disguise cost so yes functionally the same as morph um just a little bit different in the way they had to phrase it because they now want to give these colorless mysterious creatures ward two which is i feel necessary with exactly how the game has developed over the last few years so itrata cloaks things which is just disguising them but you are forcing it so it's it's like you can't just say like disguise the top card of that player's library, um, unfortunately. So they've had to create two words for it. And cause I was just curious why they didn't just use manifest, but then I realized that, yeah, yeah. Manifest doesn't really solve the problem because of how fast the game has gotten. Yeah. I, I think also from a design standpoint, we've seen them returning to old mechanics and instead of tweaking old mechanics, just building 
um, a new mechanic that that's the improved version of it and sort of just ignoring the old version of the mechanic. Yeah, you know, it doesn't give me... We kind of saw that in in Lost Caverns Caverns as well, I feel like. Right, it doesn't give me great hope that they're ever going to return to those mechanics, though, which sucks. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, or, I mean, maybe it does mean, like, now that they've fixed the mechanic in their mind from a design standpoint, like, they have more of a reason to return to it. Like, you know, maybe they made it make sense in a way that, you know... they can put it in more products. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, I I really wish they would have, um, I don't know, like, because I'm trying to look up what that, I can't quite remember what that, uh, there it is, Kadena, Slinking Sorcerer. Uh, it's that face commander from Commander 20, I want to say 2019, 2019, there we go. Uh, it's the first face down creature spell you cast each turn costs three less to cast. And I think this act card actually gets support here in this set it is a salt it's salt eye so it's black green and blue whenever a face down creature enters the battlefield under your control draw a card so what's interesting about this is that a lot of this is going to reinvigorate this mechanic and we're going to see cards sort of like come back into the fray a little bit very circumstantial but uh this doesn't like necessarily help like animar or well no it does help animar so i guess there are two commanders that are functionally getting upgrades potentially uh through this set through the disguise mechanic which is pretty cool i just um i thought that they were going to say like morph specifically on either one of them but no it's just face down things cost three less so uh no this one is uh kind of similar to the satoru umizawa from uh i can't remember if that was uh, Kamigawa Neon Dynasty, but yeah, creature cards in your hand have ninjutsu, pay two blue and a black, and this kind of reads similarly, where it's like, yes, you can still you can still punch somebody with a Blightsteel Colossus out of nowhere with this card, <laughs> and that's I think that's uh, probably where if you're playing this as a commander, will probably go. So, uh, cool card in general, though. I'm pretty stoked for it. Yeah, it seems fun for sure. Yeah, we actually got more stuff today. So, like, while we can reflect on some of this stuff that we saw yesterday, there is one card I definitely want to talk about from today. Um, but let's move on to the next one. Krenko, Baron of Tin Street. This is a yeah, I- mono-red goblin. Yeah, mm-hmm. go ahead, Ritter. <laughs> no, say? no, you continue your thing. Sorry. All right. Two and a red legendary creature goblin, 3-3 three, three with haste, tap, sack, and artifact, Put a plus one, plus one counter on each goblin you control. Whenever an artifact is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, you may pay red. If you do, create a 1-1 one, one red goblin creature token. It gains haste until end of turn. Pretty good. Pretty good. Oh, you can go now if you want. Oh, no. I, I was <laughs> waiting for you to uh, to go off on the implications of this card. So, I'm like, I read it, and the, a lot of these cards are more than meets the eye like and that's not transformer reference but i feel like these cards have more depth than uh they lead on their than they say on their surface so like it has haste so you can tap second artifact put a plus one plus one on each goblin you control that's just like immediately comes in does its thing 
but this is where I saw it and with how prevalent treasures have become it like that thought is always now present in my mind whenever an artifact you is put into a graveyard from the battlefield whenever an artifact from anywhere into a graveyard from the battlefield wow so if an opponent cracks a treasure and you have red mana create a create a goblin that's pretty cool um but also functionally you are cracking a treasure for mana let's say you're cracking for red mana as soon as that or that treasure hits the graveyard tokens hit the graveyard and then they fizzle they disappear forever you can use that mana that you created to just make a goblin right away so treasures just translate to goblins which is i think where this card is going to like kind of go crazy and I, mm. I i absolutely love that and i'm just waiting to see what sort of like dockside loop can result in infinite like goblins with haste that can just win the game in, like right on the spot with Cranko. yeah it's very sick definitely a lot of combo potential with this card yeah tap sack an artifact so sounds to me like there's some probably like uh what's that reclaimer um used to be played in modern it's a com- it used to be a combo piece or it's like you whenever an artifact goes this or an artifact goes to the graveyard return one with lesser mana value from your graveyard to your hand do you know what i'm talking about uh, it rings a bell i don't know though Oof, my brain just too loaded with modern magic cards to think about the older ones um anyway this one's good it it I just feel like there's more to it than um, simply read on the card. Even then, I read it again, and it was like, oh, an opponent throws something to the graveyard. Sweet. They crack a treasure. I have red mana. Sick. I make a goblin. I think that's pretty neat. Uh, we have a card that is going to make waves in standard and potentially bring mono green or some version of, of green back into co- the, a level of competition. And it is Axe Bane Ferox. Two and two green beast, four four, death touch, haste, ward, and this is as a new mechanic, collect evidence four. Whenever this creature becomes a target of a spell or ability an opponent controls, counter it unless that player exiles cards with total mana, total mana value four or greater from their graveyard. I feel like this use of ward is a good way to use ward but not make it be prohibitive uh because definitely you can you can bypass that at least once per game maybe right yeah this is i think this is one of the more powerful ward abilities that we've ever seen and four seems not like so high you know it could be just one card if you're in limited this is fine because it's probably just Mm -hmm. like seems attainable yeah one or two cards i think this is like when you get into more refined magic this is going to be like oh i have to like i can't use my graveyard to fuel my strategy as as effectively as i want it to because i have to exile these cards to deal with this four four death touch haste that just hit the battlefield and that's where I see it being incredibly popular is that it's uh, incidental grave hate because it puts a clock on the game, but you're going to you're going to have to eventually deal with it. OK, yeah, I hear that. Yeah, I uh, and especially if like two of them come down and then it's like, all right, I need a board wipe or I have to exile my entire graveyard to deal with this. So 
we see where that goes. I think it's it's a rare, so it's obviously gonna um, be a little bit harder to pull in your limited packs, like in a draft or in sealed. But this is a card where I'm like, holy crap! That you're use, gonna see it in standard. Yeah, like that sure. use that use of ward is crazy. It might be a pioneer card. I don't know. All right. Let's see. Oh, there is a new type of enchantment. So everyone should be aware that there is a new subtype of enchantment called a case. Now, these are functionally different than sagas. They are structured and printed, and the layout is the exact same. But Mm -hmm. what they do is they have a static ability at the top. So like in in, just as an example, there's a card called sort of like uh, classes. Uh, from what set was that in? Like wizard class and paladin class? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Adventures of Forgotten Realms, like the Dungeons and Dragons stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, they're they're sort of modular enchantment in that way. Yeah. That is a perfect example. So, uh, they have a static ability. So in this case, it is the case of the ransacked lab. Uh, it's two in a blue enchantment case, and it says instant and sorcery spells you cast cost one less to cast. And underneath it, in the second tier, it says, to solve this case, you've cast four or more instant and sorcery spells this turn. And then in parentheses, if unsolved, solve at the beginning of your end step. So I think it checks immediately. Like, um, to solve... Yeah, it'll check immediately to see if you've met that requirement. And then if you haven't Mm -hmm. met that requirement yet... It'll check again at the end step, and then it says, once it's solved, whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, draw a card. It's confusing. It's new. Obviously, new things are going to be confusing. I don't know what the implications of this are on the game as far as enchantments go. It's new territory. So I, I mean, I think it's just uh, we're going to have to see more of them, see how many of them are good. Even this one, Case of the Ransack Lab, I think is the best one that's been previewed so far. And uh, it's, it's I don't know, fringe playable. I, I don't think it's a spectacular card. Um, I, I think that's going to depend on the strength of the cases that we see printed. Yeah, we don't. I There might be a case in every single color. We don't know oh, yet. Oh, there for sure is, because I see... Uh, w- right now, uh, spoiled. I see one in black. You have case of the There's one in uh, white. Yeah. So, yeah. There, there. There's definitely going to be a cycle, and probably a cycle at every rarity. Um, but they're kind of fun. You know, I I see wizard class get played. I see paladin class get played. I don't know if I've seen the other ones, but I I could see one of these if they're good enough. Seeing uh, a home and and commander somewhere. Yeah, I feel like we're going to see one that is just going to be a lot easier to solve. While like the benefit might not be at the solved tier, but like the static ability up top, like case of the ransacked lab, I think the value is already immediately there with incident sorcery spells cost one less. Um, with mm-hmm. evasion, it being an enchantment, making it harder for certain like colors to deal with, like red and black have trouble dealing with that. So. Um, mm-hmm. It's going to have that going forward as well. It's also one of the cheaper like rates we've seen on that level of ability where um, we've seen the ability to make spells cost like 
X less or one less or whatever usually costs four. So we're seeing it at three. I think they're testing the waters here to see if it's uh, going to be balanced at three. But we might just see more enchantment or non-land permanent removal available in this set. One that I am seeing, which was revealed today, which I just read, and I'm super excited to talk about it. Have you seen Unyielding Gatekeeper yet? I have not. Uh, what uh, color is that in? It's white. Okay. Uh, Unyielding Gatekeeper. Yep. One, one color. It's in a white elfin cleric. Three, two, disguise, one, and a colorless. Uh, when unyielding gatekeeper is turned face up, exile another target non-land permanent. If you controlled it, return it to the battlefield tap. Otherwise, its controller creates a 2-2 white and blue detective creature token. That's nasty. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty rad card. <laughs> that's like, I know they've been working on white and like how to like give it speed and give it flexibility and versatility. This might be one of the most flexible, versatile, effective pieces of removal that I've seen in a while for this color. Like, this is a Skyclave apparition type removal here. Yeah, I mean, you have to jump through some more hoops for it, but it, it is more versatile. You, you Can you do this as a combat trick? Yeah, yeah you can turn okay. it face yeah. up at any time. So, it, it notably... I'm not sure if this will ever see play in CDH or anything like that, but it does get rid of the one ring, so that's great. Uh, the other thing is that it flickers. It, it also flickers if you controlled that. Oh, wow. Yeah, wow. I, I mean, it does it, it does a bunch of different things. I, I think it's, it's a very neat card. Um, for sure, I would love to see what sort of interactions you can come up with here um because to me yeah. it reads like a cloud shift and it doesn't like it doesn't read like ephemerate where mm -hmm. they you're they're usually very careful about the way they word these things this one might mm -hmm. get an errata but um when unyielding gatekeepers turn face up exile target non-land permanent if you controlled it return it to the battlefield tapped now you can steal creatures and that's why cloud shift is awesome is because you can Gilded Drake something and then cloud shift it and get the ETB of the thing you stole. But Ephemerate mm -hmm. exiles it and returns it under its owner's control. So that's where I think they might give this a little bit more like wording to clarify. But it, if you controlled it, return it to the battlefield tapped. Does that mean under your control or under its owner's control? Like that's where my question is. Because if it's. Uh, I, think, I think it means. Uh, regardless, if you controlled it, it returns, right? Yeah, that's that's uh, what it reads to me. It, yeah. it, it, I think it's it's implied that it's under the owner's control. Under the owner's? Yeah, I I think that would be the implication. There's probably going to be, uh, you know, uh, they're going to release some gatherer text on this one. Right. Yeah, but ultimately, it reads like it's really good. Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure, good. Yes. Yeah. Uh, a few other cards we saw that were interesting to say the least. Let's see. Well, actually, there are like this one. I'm I'm a little uh, I'm I'm a little excited for it. If I'm honest, uh, Kaya Spirits Justice. Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. It it reads like it has Oko ish 
tendencies in a way. It's like this isn't this isn't a card for beginners. If you are a beginner and you're getting into this set and this is what you pull for your pre-release or your first time playing the game, I feel so sorry for you. you. (laughs) (laughs) It is two, a white and a black for a legendary planeswalker. It's Kaya, obviously. Whenever one or more creatures you control and or creature cards in your graveyard are put into exile, you may choose a creature card from among them until end of turn. Target token you control becomes a copy of it, except it has flying. You can plus two Kaya, surveil two, then exile a card from a graveyard. You can plus one, create a one, one white and black spirit creature token with flying, or you can minus two, exile target creature you control. For each other player, exile up to one target creature that player controls. Yikes. It starts with three loyalty. Um, this is so versatile like has so much potential like Agatha's soul cauldron here mm-hmm. with this works really well where it's like, uh, and notably it's any token, any token treasure, clue, food, whatever Academy manufacturer obviously starts popping into people's heads being like, Oh, like this is crazy. Um, but surveil to then exile a card from a graveyard. So it can also hit other people's graveyards. And while that doesn't mean that you get to turn a token into a copy of that card, it does allow you to use it as a type of graveyard hate or removal. The other thing, the neg to, like, because that's the thing about Oko's thing. Oko's removal was stapled to a plus ability, which is why I see that plus two as being very valuable. The minus two for each other player, exile up to one target creature that player controls. It almost feels like you're never going to be able to attack this. Yeah, that built-in protection is super powerful. Yeah, and until a copy of it, until end of turn. Okay, I was going to say, man, does that token just become a copy of that creature <laughs> forever? That's wild, but uh, it's really it's really something else because you can... Um, well, exile pretty much anything and make it have flying. Uh, let's say Blightsteel Colossus. You know, it's like that thing gets exiled. Usually, the only way to deal with it, Kaya is going to be a great enabler to sort of like back that strategy up. Be exciting to see how that goes. Um, but uh, let's see, what else did I put on the list up there, Ritter? Oh man. There's just so much now that came out today. Uh, we talked about Trata. We talked about Cranko. We, well, you posted the cycle of lands, um, the uh, duels. Indeed. Uh, they, they have the typing. They enter the battlefield tapped. And when they enter the battlefield, surveil one. Um, to me, these feel like a slightly better version of temples. And so... Uh, Possibly fringe cases. Uh, nice to have it for like limited and stuff to have color fixing. But yeah, this is where one of our patrons, Meow Sarita, popped in and chimed in about like the potential for these. Like, uh, if you aren't aware, these lands have typings on them. They have you know like Forest Mountain, all basic land. Well, not all basic, but they have land typings, so you can fetch them, and they. Enter the battlefield tapped, but they surveil one. 
So, like Ritter said, they're just like the temples, but way better, I feel like. And um, there's just so much potential here to, like, tutor something to the top in graveyard, in, like, reanimation strategies, and then Mm -hmm. fetch before you draw or fetch and then throw it into the grave. So it acts as, like, a a sort of entomb effect. Um, But then also... I feel like this also can like help feed the grave. I don't need that mana this turn. This is something where I can just go fetch, fix the colors, throw something into the graveyard for, you know, that underworld breach line or, you know, whatever you need to do in that moment. I don't think they're going to see, I don't think every single one of these is going to see play right uh, at, at the higher levels of like competition. But what I am excited to see is probably the Golgari and the Grixis colors are going to see a lot more play than the others because of the strategies that they enable. Yeah. could be very useful there. Yeah. We'll see. I think that I'm excited about it. I didn't, I never thought they would have printed something like that. It (laughs) it was pretty shocking, honestly. Um, Because I feel like land types are becoming more, uh, they're, they're realizing that like, even if it's a dual land or whatever, that doesn't really send the deck into the stratosphere as far as power level goes or efficiency. Um, but they are starting to toy with effects like, hey, what would it take for you to play a tapped land? Obviously, you're willing to play triumphs, color fixing is there, but what if we gave you this ability to surveil one on top of it? So. Um, what ability is good enough? And I don't right. think this one is good enough except for infringe cases. Yeah, it's almost going to have to be like enter the battlefield, draw a card. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I think that that might have to be it. Like that, yeah. that's probably where the level would have to be for me. Yeah, that's wild. Because that to me says, wow, that's that's crazy broken. Fetchland is just going to draw you a card. So, gosh, uh, there was another card that I was excited about, but, you know, my high hopes and everything get dashed all the time. I obviously am very optimistic for certain cards. I want to see them work. But there's a new uncommon. It's a goblin bard called Crime Novelist. For two and a red, whenever you sacrifice an artifact, put a plus one plus one counter on Crime Novelist and add a red mana. It is a one three. So the reason that I'm excited for this is just we've seen infinite artifact loops happen well Mm -hmm. a lot i feel like if you wanted to you can uh as my buddy owen says you can sneeze at an artifact and help it go infinite in some way and uh Mm -hmm. this is like i i feel like that's what this potential has it has the potential to generate infinite mana through yeah i i feel like it's just a little bit win more it doesn't do it itself it's and it's not as good as like something like maybe like Bergy that like whenever this happens at a red mana which is something i'd look at as something similar or you know man i feel like if you're already sacrificing infinite artifacts uh infinite mana is something you already have rolled into the package maybe sure right yeah because most of the times those uh infinite sacrifice man or sacrifice artifact loops involve treasures so this is just like doubles up on top of that so yeah it could be like the poor man's burgie right now if you don't want to go out and you don't want to buy a burgie and you have an artifact strategy you want to somehow stimulate and go into a big mana type thing in mono red this might be it 
it's exciting nonetheless. I think that in draft and limited or whatever in sealed, this is going to help people get to the next level of whatever you know, like pay X mana, pay X this, or like you need to cast your big baddie, that that's where mm-hmm. it's, it's going to come from. Uh, we did get a story spoiler. The Tristani three whispers are the murderers in the set. And they got abilities that tailor them to become murderers or to frame others as murderers. Uh, it's an exciting card. It's uh, Selesnia, green, hybrid Selesnia mana, and then a white mana. 4-4, four, four, legendary creature Dryad. You can pay one in a green. Target creature gains death touch until end of turn. You can pay one hybrid Selesnia mana. Target creature gains vigilance until end of turn. You can pay two in a white. Target creature gains double strike until end of turn. Wow, wow, wee wah. What a card. Gany, uh, yeah, it's not so bad. Yeah, I was just going to say, anything off the top of the dome, like what this could, I feel like this is just dangerous in general, where it's like, if you were playing this as a commander, if it's in your deck, it has a lot of versatility to just be like, yep, that's got death touch. That's got death touch. That's got double strike. Uh, oh, man, is there, I don't know, maybe you want to do something with Finn the Fangbearer. Ooh. Or what's what's the dude that uh, your uh, creatures with death touch ha- uh, give poison counters? Yeah, no, that's it. That's Finn. Yep. Yep. I got clapped by that on Arena the other day. It is one of the most aggressive decks in Historic Brawl that I've ever seen in my life. I, mm-hmm. I died on turn three. I had oh, six, six poison counters on turn two. And uh, yeah, that was that was something else. Never want to play against it again. I might just scoop immediately if I ever see it. Um, there is... Okay, so as I was saying earlier, there is one card that was just revealed today. I'm going to get to that after this next card. But we're seeing the return of Massacre Girl. Known killer. Shout out to Z. There's a great Massacre Girl cosplay. This one is 2-2 two two black. Legendary creature. Human assassin. 4-4 four four with menace. Stats have stayed the same. Creatures you control have wither. Woo. Whenever a creature an opponent controls dies, if its toughness was less than one, draw a card. Holy cow. The return of wither. Now, I know that Wizards of the Coast doesn't like to do neg one, neg one counters, but they've they've made an exception here. I don't think this is like a, a Patra card, but... It is kind of intriguing, to say the least. Uh, what do you think about it, Ritter? About Massacre Girl? Yeah. Yeah, that's going to have home and standard, at least. Yeah, it, it promotes this idea that, like, if you block, I'm going to draw. I'm going to draw a ton of cards. You know, like, um, it's a 4-4 menace, so obviously hard to block, hard to put up things against it. But Wither is... The reason they don't like Neg One Neg One counters is because they don't like that concept of sort of like reducing the creature's size permanently. They like the cleanup step where it sort of like wipes damage away and things clean up. In Arena, they've obviously printed a lot of cards that were like per- perpetual and whatnot, where it's like when the damage is dealt, it's perpetually there. It stays forever. And this is another way of doing that, but in paper. So if you're not familiar with Wither, if you've never 
played against Negro Negro Encounters before, you're going to be in for a, quite the surprise, as this will uh, make your board really small, really fast. And it's a, it's a great lord, because it just gives everything with her. So you can swing in pretty mercilessly and, uh, and get away with it most of the time. You're going to connect more often than they're going to block, because blocking means you're going you're gonna to draw a card most of the time. So, all right. Those are my thoughts on Massacre Girl. Now, we have a white card that is at Mythic. Ritter, have you seen Delany Streetwise Lookout? Yeah, I, I thought that was the card you were going to talk about. Um, I think there's something there. I don't know what cards it combos with to make it worthwhile, but... Uh, yeah, I, it's going to find a home somewhere. Yes. Anytime. Well, we've talked like being doubling effects is like lazy, but this actually is sort of like narrow enough that it will do like it, it doesn't feel like it's lazy in design. Yeah, it, it only doubles if the creature's power is two or less. Right. And creatures you control with power two or less can't be blocked by creatures power three or greater so um human scout so humans rock we know that that typing is relevant it will be in the future we don't know how or when or why or how but it you know it will be i said how twice but if an ability of a creature you control with power two or less triggers that ability triggers an additional time is such an in- interesting line of text right off the top of my head i think of the best creature in commander Dockside Extortionist triggers twice if this is on the battlefield. Now that requires you to play a combination of white, red, and whatever else you want, maybe five colors. I don't know if there's enough creatures at that under that bar that requ- would require a build around for this, like for you to like include this or a package deal with this in the ninety nine. What do you think? Um, probably not off top your uh, head no additional thoughts okay yeah uh, otherwise we're just going to see how this one plays out it's going to develop obviously very strong ability see how it goes I wouldn't be surprised if this ends up being that card from the set that people chase after so uh, kind of the, the lotho of this set yeah, right. Like that is, I guess, that's a very good comparison where I see it as that level of power where incidentally, like right off the right off the bat, Lotho was like a buck 79. People were just not really seeing it, not really respecting what power it could have. But uh, after a second, all of a sudden it's like, oh, I get a treasure pretty much every turn that I, <laughs> you know, that it goes around the table. Um, and the life is an easy exchange. This is like, oh man, do you know how many creatures I run that are power two or less? You know how many of them have ETBs? Like you get uh, Reclamation Sage is two or less. I think it's two power. So it's like you can run some packages like where you get double ETBs on that. That's like a pretty great um, little doodad. But you're also going to get like, oh, com- like combat. Like, oh, I dealt combat damage. And I get to draw a card when I do that. Oh, I'm going to draw two cards now. Um, Whenever an ability triggers. So that word whenever will become very important 
in relation to this card, I just don't know how many creatures out there are going to be like, oh, hey, yeah, hey, look at that. <laughs> so exciting stuff. New set on the horizon. Obviously, when all this is revealed, we'll have a better idea of well, you know the full picture and its implications on every card and all the tens of thousands of unique game pieces that already exist. But uh, I'm sure we'll be having a lot of conversation about this. Ritter- is there anything that you are considering maybe building around? Ooh. So there are a couple things that are... Um, this is something that in the set, so when you go to pre-release, they're trying to incentivize people to go to pre-release. There are a few cards like in, uh, I think it was after, or no, March the Machine, that when you went to pre-release, there was a three-color legendary creature already put inside your little promo pack that you you can't play in your sealed deck, but it is a way to get that card. They're doing that again with this set. And one of those cards is Voja, Jaws of the Conclave. Obviously, I'm attracted to this card because it is Naya. It is two, a red, green, and a white. Legendary creature, Wolf. Uh, this is the first time we've seen it separate from uh, his little elf buddy. But it is a 5-5 five, five with Vigilance, Trample, and Ward 3. Whenever Voja, Claws of the Con- or Jaws of the Conclave attacks, put a Put X plus one plus one counters on each creature you control, where X is the number of elves you control. Draw a card for each wolf you control. So at the very least, there's a Vigilance Trample Ward 3 that says draw a card when it attacks. So a lot of ceiling here too. So you basically just build your entire mana package around dorks and elves and whatever, and then this just gets to be crazy big right away. Priest of Titania, blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. It, it sounds like this could be the new elf ball commander moving forward. That's just why I'm oh, excited okay. about it. Yeah, that's yeah. a fun angle. Yeah, this, um, I, I know that like when they introduced the Golgari elves, that that was a really like cool, unique way to start introducing elves from an older era that were like Golgari or... Uh, included different colors and this now i feel like uh i imagine we've already seen like tulsimir in green and white i and we already have a few elves in selesnia as well i wonder if we'll see any red white elves moving forward or anything that like comes along with this um but that's exciting for me have you seen anything in the spoiler so far that you're curious to build uh no nothing to build around i think you know the cards we discussed today definitely some potential those i i gotta see how some of this stuff plays out and we've only seen half the set spoiled so far so there's some time yeah there's oh there's a weird one here tomic wielder of law affinity for planeswalkers but it's only three mana so uh i wonder if it's meant to be a commander that is super friends focused we'll see That'll yeah, do I saw it. that card. That that card's interesting. That's that's something I might uh, slot into an existing deck. Right. Yeah, that'd actually make a ton of sense. Whenever an opponent attacks with creatures, if two or more of those creatures are attacking you and or planeswalkers you control, 
that opponent loses three life and you draw a card. So a way to sort of disincentivize, I think there's a way to pressure your opponents in Super Friends where they have to start swinging at your Planeswalkers where this is just going to yield value for you. So I think that'll about do it for today, Ritter. I think I'm tapped out. Yeah. Oh, is that pun intended? Uh, yes, one hundred percent, hundred percent. You are so clever. You really get me sometimes. Well, I'm tapped out. I don't have any <laughs> anything else after that. Sorry. Hey, no worries, dude. I uh think we kicked some ass today. I think we really, we really outdid ourselves. This has been another episode of the Mock Stars podcast. If you'd like to support the show, you can find us on YouTube. You can look down in the description below. Uh, you can find a ton of links. You can like, subscribe, and hit that bell for notifications. Amongst those links in the description below on the YouTube channel, you can find an affiliate link for Cora Labs, where you can find can caps and more products in the future. But any purchase made after clicking through the affiliate link goes to supporting, supporting the show. You can also join our Discord community. On there, we're talking about CDH and all these like different formats. So any conversation that you want to have, is there's a platform for it there. Um, and we look forward to conversing with you and interacting with you on there. You can also find us on all major podcasting platforms. And uh, if you do us a huge favor and leave us a five-star review, that goes a long way to making us look super duper cool. I think that's it. I think that's uh, pretty much all I've got. Oh, and if you want to support the show even further, you can become a patron. On Patreon, you can become a supporter, join our supporter tier, you become an official Pepperhead, you get access to two exclusive channels on the Discord server, and you get access to these arena videos I've been doing. You get early access on the, on the Patreon. Every single Monday, I'm releasing a new arena video, whether it's draft or brawl or whatever. And then uh, those go public later in the week. And um, I'll also be streaming those events later in the week as well. And I'll have announcements for that on the Discord server. So a lot of stuff happening. I've got an entire content calendar here up on the board. Thank you, Willie, for the lovely Christmas present. Um, but I've got a lot of stuff planned for the next few weeks. So uh, look forward to more Mockstars podcast in the future. More stuff coming out. And a huge shout out to all of our patrons so far. You guys rock. Thank you so much for everything uh, and supporting the show so far. All right. Let's get the heck out Thanks, of here. Guys. See you next week. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.